glad that you are here. We're going to begin, please, with Psalm 84. Psalm 84, and well, the psalmist pours out his heart to the Lord with praying about the dwelling places of his God and the joy that he had of coming to be where the Lord was. And he says in verse 2 that my thirsty soul longs fervently, yea, faints thy courts to see. My very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. Is that not truly the prayer and the desire of every single believer? As we come to the Lord's house today, we want to have our soul refreshed and have our spirits filled and blessed by the Lord's presence. Let's stand as we worship Psalm 84. start here. That is not a tune that I am familiar with at all. Pardon? Psalm 67 is the tune. Okay, let's do that. Psalm 67 the tune, but it's Psalm 84, and uh, let's see if we can pick up on that one. Ah, that's better. Very good. Let's sing that. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me. The tabernacles of thy grace, how pleasant, Lord, they be. My thirsty soul long.
Well, let's seek the Lord now, please, in prayer, and bring our morning service and our whole day to the Lord now at the throne of grace. Let's please bow in prayer. Father, as we humble ourselves this morning in Your most holy presence, we come to pray in Jesus' name, in that name that is exalted high above all, that name to whom every knee will one day bow and every tongue will confess, Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our Father in heaven. Dear Lord, we pray that at the very beginning of our service we would all be very aware of the Holy Spirit's direction and help taking the Word of God, opening its truth to our minds, reinforcing that truth and applying it to us. And, O God, we might behold our Lord Jesus today through the Scripture, through the reading of the Word, the ministry of the truth of God, and so that He will be formed in us, developed in us, that we will be changed like unto His image, Dear Lord, help us today. We're thankful for the blessing of being in Your house on a new day. And we have all experienced, Lord, throughout the course of this week, Your mercy and grace and comfort. We're thankful, Lord, for every day's life, the breath that we have, the heartbeat that keeps us going. And Lord, we know that all life is a gift from our Sovereign Lord. And I pray that each one of us today, as Your children, would see the gift of life and realize that every day is an opportunity, an opportunity to live to the glory of Your holy name, an opportunity, Lord, to see the kingdom of Christ extended by word and by testimony. Father, Bless the praying people that You have blessed us with here. Encourage everyone. Help us to see the value and the weight, the ministry of intercession. Dear Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon us in a great way. We long, Lord, to know the reviving of spirit and heart so that we might be more effective in serving the Master. And Lord, that we might be more useful in Your kingdom. We don't want just some sort of experience, Father. We long that we might know that daily walking with our God in peace and harmony and unity. And that, Father, we would indeed be kept from the evils of this world. Dear Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon every family and member connected to our fellowship here. Remember today those who are in great need physically. We hold up this morning our dear sister Serene in hospital and in great need. Lord, come near, we pray, and touch the body of our dear sister. And we pray, Lord, that You would minister to her soul just now that she would sense and know the presence of the Savior with her. And Lord, give her much grace. 
We pray for others in our fellowship who need continual ministry and help upon their body, their mind, their spirit. Remember those who are elderly and shut in, cannot be out on a normal, regular basis. Bless each one of them, we pray, and encourage their hearts. And dear Lord, write Your truth upon every heart. And Lord, what about those who are still unsaved? Loved ones in the family, we have prayed for many, many times. Lord, work today effectually in their hearts and bring them to Christ. People in our service perhaps have never come to bow their knee in faith to the Lord Jesus. Bless them with salvation today. Watching online, Lord, make today a day of salvation, not only in our place, but in also in every other congregation or ministry or household where the Word of God is being faithfully taught. Hear our prayer today. Lord, meet with us now. And as we come around the table at the end of this meeting, Lord, we will again be very much aware of the Savior with us, of the Spirit of God ministering to our heart. Oh, bless us now, we pray. And as we continue lifting our hearts in song, in worship, in thanksgiving, and in praise, Lord, be magnified through us, we ask. Hear our prayer this morning. We offer these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. We'll sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 334. 334, and we'll stand to sing.
that was good singing and good praise to the Lord. There's no greater theme or song that can be in the believer's heart than to be thankful and amazed at the wonderful grace of God that He looked down to a darkened heart like mine, a soul lost in sin. And what did He do? He loved me with an everlasting love. He loved me and He came to die for us. And dear friend, today, if you don't know the Lord, and I would say to you with all my heart, flee to Christ. There's only one answer for the guilt of your soul. There's only one answer for the pain and suffering that you have, and it's to seek the Lord. And it may be the case that you say, well, I'm not saved, but I don't feel too bad. Things are going not too bad in my life. I've had a few folks say that to me over the years, and it's a fearful thing actually. Oh, friend, that you would only know and realize. Maybe you're online today. Maybe you're listening to this message at some different time. Well, may God speak to your heart so that you will see you have a great need before God because you are a sinner before Him. And if you die in your sin, then there will be no remedy for your soul's salvation. So, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's now time to flee to Christ. Do that now, and the Lord will bless you with His salvation. We're turning for our congregational reading now to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Reading from verse 26 to 42. What is interesting, and you don't see in the context of the Gospel, but at the very end of verse 25, and before verse 26 begins, you can insert in that section all of the teaching from John chapter 13 down to chapter 17. The most important teaching that we have been spending considerable time going through over this last year. But now the next step we come to in our Lord's ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 26 of Mark 14, And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all, they came to a place 
which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hand of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. We will be thinking on this subject and reading from Luke's Gospel a little bit later in our service, the similar portion. And I pray that the Lord would help us to understand and take in this very solemn reading from His own precious Word. Let me welcome everyone to our service today. It's very good to see you all here. And if you're in person, visiting with us, or returned again, and also everyone viewing our service online today, it's very good to see our brother John being with us today, and also his dear wife, Jess. We met them yesterday morning, actually, in a breakfast spot out in Ajax, and it's good to welcome our dear friends with us today, and trust the Lord would bless them richly. And others, I might not have your name, and online, if you're uh, viewing us for the first time, you've come back again, well, send us an email. Let us know how we can pray with you and for you at this time. It's also very good to see our sister Grace with us this morning, and also her daughter Lisa in the service, and we trust the Lord would bless you all. Remember, please, that after our service this morning, we'll be meeting around the Lord's table, the table of communion, and it's for God's people. You do not have to be a member of our congregation to join with us, but you must be born again of the Lord's Spirit according to His Word to be able to eat and drink and to remember the Lord's death in His own appointed way. Please remember our sister Serene Wong in your prayers. Serene's in hospital just now. Her health situation has grown worse, and she needs very much the prayers of God's people for her at this time. 
And so let's hold her up to the Lord. Brother Frank DiDerno, we've been praying for him. He was in Fredericton planning for three Lord's Days, but actually his flight was canceled because last Monday of the snowstorm uh, that came across the province, and so they couldn't get a flight out until tomorrow. So he's ministering again today in Fredericton, and uh, the time difference being they're already just concluding their service at this time. So do remember our brother in the Lord as they travel back tomorrow, God willing. Remember, please, our services today at 5.50, our prayer time before the evening service at 6.30. And there will be a young adult choir practice after the service tonight. Remember, please, on Wednesday, our prayer meeting and Bible study at 7.30. And on Tuesday, not that it affects folks here in the congregation, although for the elders it would, the presbytery prayer time will be being conducted at 12 noon via Zoom for all of our North American ministers and their elders. Please also remember on Thursday of this week, our session and board have a meeting at 6 and 7.30. And then next Lord's Day, our services at the regular time. Our Bible class starts at 9.50 every morning. Classes for all ages. And let me encourage you, if you have not been here to take part in either the youngest age groups, or our young adult youth Bible class, and certainly the adult Bible class. If you're coming to the Lord's house, why not make it a full day and come and join in all of the ministry that is prepared as food for your souls. We've been thinking about some advance announcements and things to pray for, our own presbytery and prayer times coming up here in May. And then in August, the Young Adult Bible Conference we're holding, and you're invited to come along to that. We're also having two, well, there are three services to do with Easter coming up. And the first one I'll share with you is to do with Port Hope. Our congregation holds an Easter conference there over the weekend, and Reverend John Wagner will be coming, Lord willing, and that's on April the 7th and the 8th, Friday and Saturday in Port Hope and you are welcome to attend those meetings. And then if we backed up just a little bit, some of you will know and have heard of the Truth In My Days ministry. Uh, Dr. John, I was going to say Dr. John, but he's Pastor uh, John Tors. His wife is a medical doctor, and, uh, but our brother is a minister of the gospel. And uh, he has, you've seen some posters perhaps outside in the foyer They're going to be holding a conference, and they've asked permission to use our church, so they're going to be meeting here, and it's all to do with the subject of the resurrection of Christ, different arguments and so on that support that from the the Bible. That's on March 25th, and then the Brethren Assemblies are going to be using our congregation here over Easter Friday and Saturday, and I know you'd be welcome to attend here too if you would like to. And I give you those two announcements because if you've been downstairs in our basement, you have noticed our kitchen. Well, it's in a a bit of a state of repair at the moment, some renovation going on. And uh, we want to get the kitchen in good order for our two visitors, sets of visitors will be coming on March 25th and also the Brethren Assembly. So uh, if we want to get some cleaning up done and if you want to volunteer, a couple of ladies involved, Uh, Would you see Mrs. Robinson, and uh, she'll line up you a date and a time. 
to do some cleaning out and just sorting out. We are repainting some of the cupboard doors there because they needed a touch-up, and uh, that will be done very soon. So if you would speak to Linda Robinson, that would be good. And um, Hannah Kim is also going to be helping in that area. We have a little booklet here that we have used different times called The New Beginning, written by Dr. Alan Cairns, who is now with the Lord. And we used these a couple of years ago for a mass outreach in our whole community. About 10,000 of them or so were given out. And it's a very clear, simple gospel booklet that tells about the way of salvation and how you can know peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Well, we have a supply of those that were left over from that before. They're on the table at the back. Part of our outreach that you can use for personal evangelism, gospel tracts there. Please help yourself and take as many as you like, and we'll be sure to replenish that supply out there. But you can help yourself to that at the end of the service. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 125. 125. If you would like to give an offering to the work of the Lord, the plate is on the table in the foyer. You're welcome to do that. And for those of you who are more tech-savvy and you like to do email transfers, you can also do that at offerings at torontofpc.ca and follow the necessary instructions. 125, let's stand please as we sing, Oh, how sweet the glorious message simple faith may claim, yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is the same.
walked amid the raging billows, walked upon the sea, still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. He wept and prayed in anguish in Gethsemane, drinks with us each cup of trembling in our agony. As of old, he walked to Emmaus with them to abide. So through all life's way he walks, ever near our side. Soon again shall we behold him, hasten, Lord, the day. But will still be this same Jesus as he went away. Let's sing this final verse. As of old he walked to Emmaus turn now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. We will begin our reading, please, at verse 39. And Jesus came out and went, as He was wont or had frequented, to the Mount of Olives, and His disciples also followed Him. And when He was at the place... He said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven and strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, 
lest ye enter into temptation. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we ask now that as the Word is open, as we have read in these two Gospels, that our hearts would also be open to the Word. Lord, take away from us every distracting thought. We are so prone to wandering minds, attention spans that are short. Well, Lord, I pray for the Spirit's power to keep our minds attached, attentive, as we think upon our Lord, upon this stage of His life. Lord, I pray for help to minister the Word faithfully, clearly, the power of heaven. Lord, it's not about us, nor is it by our power. We depend upon the Spirit's working now to take the Word and put it into all of our minds, every believer, and each one who is not saved today. So, Lord, do Your work, we pray, and bless us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Gethsemane's prayer, as Jesus prayed not my will. The Lord resorted to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives numerous times with His disciples. It was a haven, kind of a time out from the crowds. And He could teach His disciples privately and spend with them some practical times of communion. But this last journey across the Kidron Valley to the garden would be the most significant as our Savior poured out His heart in further supplication to His Father. With little to no rest that He had from over the last number of days, and then just concluding the intense teaching to His disciples from John 13 to 17. He has now arrived at the garden where the final leg of His freedom is before Him, before He is arrested. Who could imagine such pressure? Who could bear the emotional and the mental and the spiritual warfare being endured by the Son of Man? The Lord Jesus Christ had prayed, as we have thought in John 17, about the keeping of His people. He prayed that they would be kept in unity. He prayed that they would be kept from sin and evil. He prayed they would be kept unto holiness. And He also prayed that they would share in His glory and in His love. But now, here in the garden, the Lord lifts up His voice to His Father about His own suffering. We must again 
tread very carefully on this terrain and not pass by it quickly or casually, but pray for a heart that is moved by the Holy Spirit to hear, to understand, to apply, to worship with all of our being. And I pray that as we think upon our Lord's prayer in Gethsemane and His sufferings, it will lead us closer to Him. It will lead us to magnify Him, to love Him more. Think with me in the first place about the humility of our Lord that was evidenced by this prayer. Verse 41, we are told that He kneeled down in prayer. No matter how many times we could imagine that His disciples had witnessed the Savior's praying, it must have been a striking thing to them to see their Lord, the one they received as Messiah, the Master, to see Him, the Redeemer of God's elect, on His knees, humbly pouring out His soul to His Father in heaven. The Savior's attitude in prayer is very helpful and instructive to us, not just because of the posture of kneeling, but the humility of heart and of soul, the reverence and love that He exuded toward His Father. In one sense, it seems fitting for the Son of Man and the Son of God to bow down before the Father in such a way. But on the other hand, it seems a little bit unnecessary because the Lord Jesus shares the same essence, the same equality with the Father. Why should He then bow down before Him? Many times in Jesus' life, He secluded Himself from the crowds and even the disciples to get alone with His Father. Why would He do that? He would do that because of communion, fellowship. He did that to bear before His Father the needs of His people. Yes, He did it because He came to commune with His heavenly Father. It was very important to Him. Prayer was very important during His life. And so it's not a strain for the Lord Jesus to bow on His knees before the One whom He had loved from all eternity in the mystery of the Godhead and of the Trinity, the relationship that exists between the Father and the Spirit and the Son, the Creator. Can we understand this? The Creator of the very soil that now His knees are in contact with. It was not in some house or comfortable temple that He was praying, but outside. He humbled Himself. Remember, we are told, He had no place where to lay His head. 
He did not own or possess a house or real estate in a monetary fashion. But He is the Creator of all things. And in that sense, when He humbled Himself and bowed His knees in prayer, what an example that is for us. Let our attitude, brother and sister, let our approach in prayer never be relegated to a secondary position of importance. Prayer is essential for our spiritual growth and our well-being, the well-being of our families and of our church, of our missionaries, of our nation. We are called as God's people to lay hold of the Lord. And God hears our prayers, and He has promised to answer as we come in Jesus' name, earnestly seeking Him, bombarding heaven with our prayer requests, and the promise that when we come boldly to the throne of grace, we will obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, and yes, even in the circumstances of life that seem impossible. Our sister Serene would be an example here. How long have we prayed for our dear sister? And yet in our praying, it seems things are getting worse for her. Is the Lord not hearing? Is the Lord not answering? Is the Lord's ear deaf when we bring in Jesus' name our dear loved sister to Him? And yet sometimes, friends, when we bring such prayers like this that do not seem to be being answered, only getting worse, can we rest in faith to know at this point that our God is doing all things well and His grace indeed is being poured out in ways that we cannot see? Can we trust Him in that? If we believe God's Word, if we believe the Scriptures, we will trust in this. If we take our Savior as an example, here He is on His knees praying before His Father, and things were about to get a whole lot worse for Him. But there He prayed. And there He resorted. And our Lord Jesus teaches us by His humility in the time of His need, where was He? Where did He go? What did He do? He went to the only place that He could resort to. He went to His Father in heaven. He went to the place of communion, casting all His care, casting all His burdens at the feet of His Father and knowing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that he would ask or think. Remember this, that God is always working out according to His plan. And He is always manipulating, working, moving within our, our hearts and our lives. All things for His own glory and for our good. Let us rest in faith knowing such a thing is true and it's real our Lord's humility in prayer. But as we progress in this scene before us, we come to the anguish of His soul. 
verse 44 tells us, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is the first time that we are confronted with the Savior's anguish of heart. Other feelings He expresses in His life, sorrow, disappointment, anger, He expressed these feelings and these positions, but never have we been confronted with the anguish of the Savior's heart to this degree. He was sorrowful in His life. He is called the man of sorrows. He was grieved and weary, but He was never in anguish to this extent. This was a battle for the life of Christ here. Satan was unleashing all the fury of hell against him combined with the awful reality of what was in front of the Lord and what it would cost him to become the sin-bearer of the world. Such intense warfare. It was intended by the devil to kill him before he got to the cross. Because the cross was the only place where he could make atonement for the sins of his people. And if he was to succumb before that, then redemption would not have been purchased. The word that we have in our text, agony, it's a word that means a struggle for victory. Severe mental, emotional anguish. Severe. I would say to you, if never a man spoke like this man, then my dear friends, never did a man suffer like this man. But we want to know the cause of this anguish. What was the cause of this anguish? We're told about a cup that Jesus prayed about to be removed from Him. What was in that cup? What foreboding substance could have such an impact on the sinless Son of God where He prays for its removal? This cup that had been prepared for Him before the foundation of the earth or even the universe had been formed, he must drink of that cup. To be very clear, and I think sometimes even for the the younger ones in the congregation, when you read and hear about this cup, you might think, well, did the Lord actually physically drink of something? Was something in front of Him that He had to drink from? And to be very clear, it was not an actual cup full of some kind of awful or obnoxious sin-laden liquid. No. It was a figure of speech. It was put to describe something the Lord was facing the most horrific 
and detestable experience that the sinless Son of God must go through. But what was the content of this cup? Some folks, commentators, have suggested that it was the fear of suffering and of death of the cross that he, that we could understand the reasoning behind this. But I believe there is something much deeper here, and that being the sheer amount and the complexity of the sins of His people that He must bear in order to obtain our salvation. In a very understandable sense, it was a combination of both of these things. The villainy of all the sin that was going to be laid upon Him. The suffering of the cross. These things all come together in the weight that was upon Him, in the responsibility that our Lord had to take upon Himself. And He had to take it alone. Such a burden on the heart of Jesus, it's conveyed in these words, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from Me. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The depth of such agony, what does it mean? How can we comprehend it? God made his only begotten Son to become sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, He made Him to become sin for us. He who knew no sin at all. Richard Baxter made this comment, this agony was not from the fear of death, but from the deep sense of God's wrath against sin, which He as our sacrifice was to bear. And dear friends, when we begin to investigate, to allow our minds to comprehend the depth of such agony that Christ was facing, in the Garden of Gethsemane, part of the suffering that He had to bear as He was only a matter of hours away from the cross. And yet in this, the depth of the agony, how can we expand on this? How can we begin to comprehend what that means? All of your sin, all of my sin, all the sin of all His people from all time contained in that cup that He was faced with, that He must drink, that He must go to the cross to bear. And this is the sum and substance of the agony that He was going through and facing as He was confronted with that cup. 
And oh, my friends, the great impact that had on the Son of God, the effect that it had upon Him. We are told that His sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And some people ask, and maybe you've wondered, did Jesus actually sweat blood? Or is this just an expression, maybe similar to the expression or the picture of the cup that He's about to drink from, not being a real cup? Luke is the only Gospel writer that includes this description of the Lord in the garden. And we know that Luke was a doctor, a physician. And so it is meaningful and reasonable that he is going to make this assessment and make this description. There is a term, it's called hemotidrosis. It comes from two ancient Greek words, hema, meaning blood, and hydros, from which we get sweat. And so the combination of those two words together is simply blood-sweat. And that was an understandable symptom that even those in the ancient world were familiar with. And it describes an extremely rare condition of bleeding through sweat glands. Blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood, occurring under conditions of extreme physical or emotional or mental stress. And this, my dear friends, was the beginning of the intense sorrow and suffering that our Lord Jesus would endure for sinners, for rebels, for hell-deserving people like you, like me. All of this, it enters into the wonderful mystery of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I say the wonderful mystery because you cannot come to a portion of Scripture like this without understanding more deeply the person of Christ, His two natures, and yet in one person. His two wills, a human and a divine There are aspects of such a person, the God-man, that defies our definition. And it must be accepted and believed by faith as it is revealed in God's holy Word. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, left the glory of heaven and He united Himself to human flesh. He is God the Son, and He is the Son of Man. His two natures were 
so united, and yet they were not blurred or confounded. And not to separate, as He is made up of two people. You did not have the Son of God, the person, and the Son of Jesus, Son of Man, another person, and they're somehow joined together. No. They are one person. God the Son and the Son of Man joined. And in a very similar way, our Savior possessed two wills. He possessed a divine will and a human will. Ryle commented, he said, Our Lord had a will as perfect man, and He had also a will as perfect God. And think about that. Throughout the earthly life of our Lord, both of these were revealed. He was the man who said, I thirst. And the same person who said, Before Abraham was, I am. He is the eternal God whose radiant glory was shown on the Mount of Transfiguration. And He is the Son of Man who was so weary that He slept in the boat during the most violent storm on the Sea of Galilee. Weary from service. He is the man in the garden who prayed, remove this cup from me, and the one who said, I do always those things that please Him. Friends, as we begin to understand and try to take in what this means, that we might live our lives in submission to the will of our God in all things, that we would see the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ in His praying, that we would understand the anguish of His soul as what He bore for us in the garden, and how He cried out as He sweat great drops of blood. This was what He endured because of you today, because of me, because of everyone who's listening online. And if you know Christ as your own, then He is the Savior who loved you and who died in your room and in your place. And friends, was it, what is it today if you are not a believer, if you're outside of Jesus, maybe you are a young person. Maybe you have heard the Gospel in Sunday school. Maybe you have grown up through that into your teenage years, and there are many questions that you are wrestling with about your faith, about the whole issue of how can I know for certainty that there is a God, that there is a Christ, that I must prepare for eternity? How can all of these things be known? And if those questions are racing through your mind, 
and they have troubled you. Friends, understand this, that it is Satan's purpose to cause you to come to the place of doubting the Bible, of doubting the Scripture, of doubting the truth that you have heard, because your soul is in the balance. And Satan would come to pour out all of his questions and all of his distresses. And perhaps you have borne a little bit of that discouragement as our Lord Jesus did in the garden. He prayed and He suffered and He longed that He would know God's strength. We're given that little phrase in the verse that speaks about the angel coming to strengthen Him. And again, it's a picture for us of the humanity of Christ where He allowed Himself to be encouraged or strengthened or ministered to by the angels that He is the one responsible for creating. Ah, my dear friends, the wonder of our God, the wonder of His theanthropic person, the wonder of the God-man, Let us come today with renewed devotion, with renewed love, with renewed praise and worship, and that we would say, Lord, all of these things we want to give unto our God. And again, friend, if you are without Christ, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You cannot come to the day of your death. You cannot pass over that threshold of your death and think there's going to be some hope for you in eternity. The hope that you have for eternity is here now on earth while you have life. And God has made that very clear. And therefore I say to you, flee from the wrath that is to come and flee to Christ. He is your only Redeemer, the only Savior that you have. We cannot possibly muster up some self-righteousness and present that to a holy God as so many people think they can do. They will take their good works hoping they outweigh their bad things and they're going to present that to God and say, I'm good to go. You are good to go, all right. But you're good to go to hell and it will not be heaven. My dear friends, think of this solemn point today and be sure. Make your calling and election sure. It may be you've sat in church for some time and you've heard the Gospel, but you don't know. You don't know yet whether you have made that seal with Christ or not. And I say to you, come. Do not delay. Do not turn aside that you might know the joy and the peace of so great and of full salvation. I want to return to the subject later tonight as we consider also the submission of the will of Christ in this account and of the answer that God gave to him of his prayer. And the Lord would write his truth upon our hearts. Let's bow, please in prayer before Him. Father, 
as we have come to this solemn portion this morning, I pray, dear Lord, that as man's voice is silent, that the Holy Spirit will take the Scriptures and ever write them, Lord, upon our minds. Help us, we pray, not to be so consumed with things in this world that we miss out on the wonder, on the splendor, on the great sacrifice that our Lord made for us. Father, hear our prayer today. And as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's table, that you would go in front of us and help us. For we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hymn number 555. If you are not able to stay for communion today, then we encourage you sometime through the singing of the hymn uh, to make your way out of the service. But everyone is welcome. If you are not a believer, you don't have to leave. You're welcome to sit and remain and, and observe the service. But we ask you, please, don't take the bread or the cup as it is passed by you. Let's stand, please, to worship. final two verses. Let me just invite everyone who is in the balcony to please make their way down. If you're taking communion, find a seat on the main floor. Thank you. Verse number three.